Hello and welcome to the Arise and Build podcast. This is Jody Grace and we're here to inspire, educate, and activate believers in Missouri to steward and protect freedom in every area of life, especially here in the heart of America. We're going to be talking about what's happening right here in our culture, how it connects to scripture, and what we can do to bring our conservative Christian values back into the public square. If you haven't already, I'd love for you to go ahead, hit the subscribe button so you can get our updates and join us as we work together, just like Nehemiah and the Israelites did, to arise and build a wall around the great state of Missouri. Hey everyone, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. I'm so glad you're here. I wish I could keep it short today, but I don't think I'm going to be able to. Um, if you are part of my Facebook group, for um, it's a free Facebook group, Missouri Freedom Foundation, um, you will have already heard some of what I'm going to talk about here today. But I know that a lot of you are not in the Facebook group, so um, I want to share with you here what I shared over there on Thursday. I did a Facebook Live and um, explained what had been going on in the Senate, um, you know, the, the latter part of the week. And um, here, I want to do the same thing, but I've learned even additional things since then. So uh, there's more, and then we'll have show notes on the blog where you can actually listen to Senate audio, uh, watch a video of the press of the press meeting uh, that um, I'm going to speak about. You can see all those things on the blog. Um but I want to start off today with a little bit of reference to scripture. You know, here on the blog, this is a rise and build. And so we're talking specifically uh, to believers who uh, have been called, who have been awakened um, in the last little while to the things that are going on in our culture and in our government and um, desiring to see more um Bible-based, scriptural things happening. Um, We want to um, help our public policy be something that functions um, in a way that will bless the people. And as someone with a biblical worldview, I believe that when you walk in alignment with the scriptures, with uh, the way that God intended it to be, that uh, people are blessed. And uh, so we try here on the podcast to um, remain focused on that, um, even as we watch circumstances around us um, that may not be uh, so desirable. But we want to keep our eye uh, on the prize where it's supposed to be fixed on Jesus. And um, but what I have to share with you today is just a reminder that you know, having our eyes fixed on Jesus and fixed on scripture isn't always rainbows and roses. Um, I was reminded a few days ago, you know, God always sends you what you need when you need it. And he is so faithful and good like that. He sent me some scripture through a friend of mine, uh, Lisa, and uh, she knows I love Nehemiah and she was reading in Nehemiah as well. And she reminded me, I'm just turning in my Bible real quick here, if you can hear those pages turning. Um, She reminded me that in the 13th chapter of Nehemiah, Nehemiah was confronting um, Israelites who had gone against God's um, intentions. He had requested that they not marry certain people. And the Israelites had done just the opposite. They had done whatever they wanted. They married into other 
uh, peoples, and then that meant that the languages of their children, uh, some of them didn't even speak the Hebrew language. And um, his response to that, Nehemiah's response to that, was very, uh, I'm going to use words from Supreme Case Law, vehement and caustic. In fact, um, he did more than just speak to them. It actually says in scripture that um, he pulled out their hair. It says, so I contended with them and cursed them and struck some of them and pulled out their hair and made them swear by God, you shall not give your daughters to your sons, nor take of their daughters for your sons or for yourselves. And, um, you know, the point here is that, when people are being disobedient to the Lord, when things aren't lining up with scripture, when things are getting off course, you know, in our culture today, we often um, feel offended. A lot of people are getting offended really easily these days um, when they're confronted with truth. And in Nehemiah's uh mode and form of communication. It wasn't only just verbal, but it was physical. Now, I'm not talking about physical violence in any sort of way, but I am um, referring and um, trying to bring up the point that in our culture today, everybody's quite soft. Everybody wants everybody to be happy. Everybody wants, um, you know, to sit around and eat uh, cookies and drink tea. And nobody wants to deal with real confrontation. And truthfully, the church has failed in teaching people how to go about confronting truth in a way that's biblical. But I believe that what's not biblical is that we don't confront truth at all. When we skirt around the issue, when we become people-pleasing, and um, I can speak directly to this because that is my experience. I have grown up uh, truly, uh, you know, with a servant's uh, heart or what I felt like was a servant's heart, what I was told was a servant's heart. Um, and believing that, you know, making, helping to make smooth things out and make everything okay was godly when in truth, that isn't necessarily the case. And we believers are really not good um, at doing that. And uh, I, I think that we feel guilty. I think that we feel like we shouldn't do it. And I believe that uh, scripture says that we should let our yes be yes. We should let our no be no. And uh, that requires a direct communication. It requires a yes, loving the other person, caring about the other person, but caring enough about them to speak truth, caring enough about the situation that you will speak hard truth and let the chips fall where they may. Uh, done in love, of course, done with good intentions of reconciliation and, um, you know, that things would work out in the end. But nonetheless, there is a correction that comes when you are not walking um, in alignment with scripture. And I think that the church has failed in this area. I think a lot of us have. I know I have personally. And that's something even today, you know, God calls us into places to refine us. And, um, that's something that even today I struggle with. I um, I don't like for people to be upset with me. I don't like to upset other people. I, I do like for people to be happy. Um, but there's a time and a place to speak truth. And um, folks, it's time. It's time to stand up. It's time to speak truth. 
And truly, um, if you're not really speaking truth in a way that honors God, in a way that aligns with scripture, you really are part of the problem. You're part of the problem in the culture um, and you're part of the failure of the church in America. So I'm doing my best uh, to walk out of that and to walk in a new way. And today I want to talk to you about some hard truth uh, that I would not probably have been uh, brave enough to say maybe even a few weeks ago. But today I can tell you that I really do believe uh, Senator Cindy O'Loughlin is not is not the person who needs to be in a position of leadership in our state Senate. I believe that she and really Caleb Browden as well need to step down. And uh, this stripping of committees, removing people, um, not only from their committee chairs, but completely rearranging committees, creating new committees, um, basically removing the conservative voice across the board in the committees of the Senate. It's really... um, it's, it's more than overstepping. It is silencing the voices of the citizens of Missouri. Uh, there are a group of senators uh, in this Freedom Caucus. There are six of them right now. And uh, four of them have been stripped of their not only their committee chairs, but also just positions, their voices on the committees. And um, that is not only silencing those senators, it's silencing the voices of the people Those senators were elected by their constituents. And in um, pulling them out of being able to participate in the process, they have essentially silenced the voices of the people. So uh, that's my first uh, critique of this leadership. And I just want to make note that the things that uh, the Freedom Caucus were doing in the last couple of weeks to try to get something accomplished. They never broke the Senate rules. Not one time that I know of. Uh, They were making motions and using a strategy that isn't often used. They were um, making a motion to create a committee of the whole, which nobody in this Senate has ever done before, but it is spelled out in the rules. So it apparently has been done at some time in the past. And what a committee of the whole does is it actually creates a situation where the entire Senate, all 34 senators would create a committee, would have a voice in um, the process of bringing a bill um, to the point where it would pass. So actually, a committee of the whole gives the Senate more of a voice. It gives the people of Missouri uh, more of a voice because you're dealing with all the senators, not just maybe, you know, six or seven or nine And um, they were well within the rules to make a motion. They were well within the rules to do the things that they've done. Um, Yeah, was it pressure? Yes, it was. Did they hold up the process? Yes, they did. Because they felt that this IP and constitution ratification reform um, was important enough to do that. And in response, because leadership didn't like the strategy, they stripped them of their committee chairs, their committee positions. And um, not only that, they took away their parking spaces. And apparently there was even talk of removing the furniture from their offices. So I spoke on the last podcast about why the IP reform or the constitution ratification reform, whatever you want to call it, um, is so important. Not only is it important because there's horrific abortion measures that will will be on our ballot very soon, but I just 
frankly don't believe that our Constitution needs to be growing at the pace it is. Um, we need to be working through statute, through the legislature. If you don't like your legislature, the way to work around that is you elect new people. And it's not, I prefer not going around the legislature to just uh, change the Constitution. If you don't like the legislature as it's functioning, then you get involved, you make the changes, and you elect new people. It's not an easy process, but I believe it's the way that it should work. So, um... They felt that IP, this constitution issue, um, is critical enough now to take the more drastic measures of calling for a committee of the whole and doing the things that they've done, which were all well within Senate rules. Now, I also want to remind you that when they have been standing up filibustering and doing different things all throughout these last couple of weeks, that doesn't mean that no other senator could stand up. In fact, they all have equal power. Uh, one of the things Senator O'Loughlin said on the floor is that they've silenced the rest of the senators. That's the furthest thing from the truth. Nobody in this process ever removed any power from another senator. They all have equal power to stand and um, use the rules in with whatever strategy they can come up with to accomplish their goal. But instead of doing that, um, instead of each senator standing, voicing, debating, whatever, uh, leadership just went to this tactic of stripping them uh, from their committee positions, stripping the voices of the people in the process of doing that, and hoping that they would sit down. And um, I'm not sure what's going to happen this week, but my guess is uh, they're not just going to sit down and be quiet. Um, in the process of that, though, we did get all of the bills referred. So at two o'clock this afternoon, there is a hearing on um, the joint resolutions which deal with this Constitution ratification issue. So my intent is to be at that committee listening to what's happening. What was interesting to me and what really pushed me to uh, bring this issue of a leadership change uh, to the forefront was actually um, realizing that uh, the voices of the people have been silenced. They didn't just silence those uh, voices of the senators, but in doing so, they um, alienated Missouri voters within this process. And also, um, because it came to light over the weekend that um, on Thursday, when Senator Eigel was on the floor and um, actually, it was Senator Rowden who had been referring the bills. There had been an agreement that they would refer all of the bills to committee. And um, I felt like that was probably, you know, we were moving in the right direction. So um, Senator Rowden was referring all of the bills, including these um, ratification bills, the IP bills, to committee. When that was finished, um, or while that was going on, apparently... Uh, Senator Eigel received word that um, Senator O'Laughlin had actually called for his expulsion from the Senate. And when he got that message, he, um, and after those bills were refer referred, he stood up and asked for an inquir inquiry from the Senator from Shelby, who is Senator O'Laughlin. Well, we waited and we waited. I was in the gallery watching. We waited and we waited and she never came. They actually summoned her three different times before she came. And uh, when she arrived, finally, 
he said, I hear, I see, I got a message that you've called for my expulsion. And she said, no, 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 I didn't do that. I didn't do that. And um, he said, but I'm reading it right here. You said that you would vote for me to be expelled. Basically, it's not a direct quote, but you'd vote for me to be expelled from the Senate. Well, yes, I would, she said. So she admitted to that. First, she said she didn't call for his expulsion. Then she said she she admitted that she would vote for it. And um, she made it seem like, in fact, that day when I was listening, she made it seem like, oh, she had just said it, you know, nonchalantly, like it was just said in jest or whatever, and that it was no big deal. Uh, she kind of motioned her hand, and um, I wish I had video to show you, but they won't let us video the Senate floor. Um, so at any rate, she kind of blew it off like, no, 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 I didn't do that. Well, yes, I did. I said that, uh, you know, if I could vote for your expulsion, I would, but I'd have to have, you know, we'd have to have 23 votes and I'd probably, maybe I'd be alone. Maybe I'd be the only one voting. So she made it seem like it wasn't really that big of a deal. It was just said in passing or in jest. Um, but then over the weekend, a video the actual full video from uh, where she was at, the reason that she was not coming to the floor when she was called was because she was meeting with a group of journalists in the Senate lounge. And um, so while this floor action was going on, while the referral of the bills was happening, she was um, behind closed doors with a group of journalists and the video of her time with those journalists, it's about half an hour long, but it is on YouTube. And so you can watch the entire meeting. And I am putting that video on the blog so that you can watch it for yourself. And really, it's just incredible to me. Her words, her actions, the behavior um, that she would trash. She basically spent nearly the entire time with those journalists just trash-talking Senator Eigel and um, talking about how horrible he was and talking about how she would love to um, vote him out and that if she did, though, she'd have to have um, some Democrat votes to accomplish that, and so she'd have to negotiate away something really big for that to happen. And she literally kind of shrugged her shoulders and grinned like it was just something, you know, almost funny to think about. Um, that behavior is the antithesis of leadership. Honestly, I don't know how any of the other senators could trust her at this point. Um, if she would treat him that way, she would also treat anyone else that way. Um, I'm just disgusted, honestly. Uh, I And then to know how she behaved when she came back. So you'll see in the video, if you watch it, that the sergeant of arms, the sergeant at arms comes from the Senate floor to request her presence. And, you know, he says that Igel is requesting her. And she literally just blows him off and says, tell him I'm busy, I'm not coming, and laughs. And the whole group of journalists laugh like it's no big deal. Um, you know, folks, you probably don't know, well, most people wouldn't know, but in the rules of the Senate, um, far back, this goes far back in history, um, when 
But when an elected official is called to the chamber floor, when a senator or a representative is called to the chamber floor, they send the sergeant at arms out. There was a time in history if that person wouldn't come, they were literally arrested and brought to the chamber floor. Well, here is Senator O'Laughlin standing, you know, just a hallway away from the chamber floor. And she is entertaining and uh, backstabbing, really, uh, a fellow senator to a group of journalists. And when she's called to the floor, she acts like she's not coming. That that's beneath her and she's going to ignore uh, the request, which is just the antithesis. It is polar opposite of what true, I mean, she, it's just, when you see how she behaves on the floor, the thing, the things that she says in public, she talks about statesmanship and, and um, being respectful and all these things. And yet then you see this video of what's actually happened, um, what's going on in private conversations um, I can't say that I'm surprised necessarily, but I'm extremely disappointed and I believe that Missouri deserves better. Missouri citizens do not deserve for their elected officials to be removed from the process. You know, actually what the Freedom Caucus was trying to do was pull more senators into the process. If they had moved forward with that committee of the whole motion, all of the senators would have been involved. They could have made rules for the committee. They could have had a voice. They would have had a voice in every part of the process. And honestly, I'm not sure that that's, you know, then you're including all 10 Democrats in that process as well. So um, it wasn't necessarily, you know, I mean, you would think we've got 24 Republicans and 10 Democrats, so you'd think they could get it accomplished. But I mean, that's the problem here, right? That's the problem. <laughs> um, so the video coming out, uh, over the weekend was just the icing on the cake for me. Um, there's another situation that I have never talked about um, on the podcast before. I did share it in a group of uh, people a few days ago. I haven't talked about it publicly because it was a private conversation and uh, I really had hoped that, uh, you know, things might turn out differently. But as things progress um, with this situation, I think that my own personal experience with Senator O'Laughlin is just, has been very disappointing. Um, I ended up being in her office over the interim. I wasn't, it was an interesting story how I got there and that doesn't really matter. But I really, uh, I had been invited there by a friend who was trying to do something honorable. <laughs> um, he was making an effort to, uh, you know, bring the two of us together, basically. And, um, and because of that, I've, I've not talked about it, but, um, given the things that are happening now and the things that are happening in public, I do have personal experience, uh, with Senator O'Laughlin and it wasn't, it wasn't, um, it also wasn't what I would desire for leadership for the people of Missouri. Uh, we were there, she was, you know, I, I was honestly unsure of the reason behind the meeting. And when I found out the reason for the meeting, I uh, really, it was last minute and I prayed on my way to her office that God would just either give me words to say or keep my mouth shut, one of the two, but I didn't want to speak um, and say things I I shouldn't. 
Um, and so the most of the time I really ended up just listening. And she made it very clear from the get-go that she was very personally offended with, um, with the efforts of the grassroots um, to be involved in this process. And she vehemently dislikes, she feels very personally attacked by what she said. It was like we were pounding and pounding. And that is a direct quote. I, she was pounding, uh, you know, her fist into her palm. And she's like, you just keep pounding and pounding day after day, day after day. These personal attacks. And she, she felt very personally attacked. And so I sat quiet and I listened and, um, you know, I wanted her to understand that that's not my heart's desire. My heart's desire is to bring truth to the people. And it isn't a personal attack on her, but uh, the truth is the truth. She does have a position of leadership. And I believe that you deserve to know the truth. And But she feels very attacked, um, even if I just tell you, um, and this was specifically brought up, uh, she feels very personally attacked, even if I just tell you, if she brought a bill to the floor or if she didn't bring a bill to the floor. And, you know, in, in that way, I mean, you can't win. I can't, if I can't even just tell you what's happening, um, she's offended. She's offended if I tell you that, you know, she stood on the, that it took her three um, summons before she appeared on the floor, even if I'm not being personally attacking her character, uh, she's offended. She, she doesn't like that. And, um, she feels very, she expressed that she feels very much under a lot of pressure to keep everybody happy, that her job is very difficult. And I understand that it is, I am in agreement. It is a very difficult job. And, um, she feels the necessity to, you know, help everybody get along. And again, I just want to go back to the fact that you know, it's nice when we all get along. It's nice when we're all agreeing and we're sipping tea and having lunch and, and you know, everything's happy, happy. Uh, but we just can't operate that way all the time. There are things happening in our culture. There are things happening in the state of Missouri that need um, hard conversations to happen. Now, do we need to be, you know, I mean vehement and caustic 24 hours a day? No, we don't. But uh, there's also a, a necessity to be strong, to stand your ground, to have principles, to stand there, to hold the line. And I think that that's biblical. And I think that it's scriptural. It's not always rainbows and roses. And uh, the truth is, if they don't pass anything at all for the next 10 years, we're probably better off for it. Um, the things that they're doing are not, they're not, uh, for the most part, conservative. They're not even sometimes Republican. Um, they are not, I don't believe, in the best interest of the people. I see them giving up teeny, teeny amounts of our state sovereignty. I see them giving away tiny pieces of our privacy. Um, they're, they're giving up our our personal and individual liberty, little tiny pieces at a time. And they're selling us into this one world global uh, system. And that sounds 
you know, it may sound over the top, but that's just where we're at. Um, so I don't believe that the priority is keeping everybody happy right now. I believe that the priority is uh, speaking truth, telling the truth, confronting the truth, and um, speaking up. <laughs> uh, I believe it's time for the believers, especially across the state of Missouri, to speak up. It's time to get involved. Uh, if you don't, you're going to see even further deterioration of, uh, of, of culture away from biblical principles, away from personal liberty, away from freedom. And uh, it's time. And so I believe that this is a battle um, of its own. You know, we're not putting on uh, we're not putting on uniforms. We're not taking up arms and things like that. But it is a battle. And um, it's time to speak truth. And we're going to have to do some hard things. Senator O'Loughlin um, feels personally offended when the grassroots people like me uh, speak up, speak out, share what we're seeing, share what we know. She thinks that we don't understand the way that it, it works. She thinks we don't understand the system or the processes, uh, which is insulting, frankly. Um, it's not rocket science. And um, do I know there are backroom deals? Yeah, that's what she's talking about when she says you don't understand. Well, what we don't understand are all the conversations that happen behind closed doors. That's what we're not understanding. There are things that we're not privy to, and I'm aware of that. Um, but this feeling that we can't talk about what's going on without being offended, that's part of the problem in our culture. And it really is time for it to stop. We don't need someone with those opinions and that philosophy um, in our leadership positions. She actually told me that day when I was in her office that if the if the people wanted to be involved, what we should do is just stay home, stay in our communities and run for school board. That's what we need to do. She doesn't want us in the Capitol. She doesn't want us poking our noses around. She believes that we elected our officials to go do a job and we need to leave them alone and let them do their job. And then when it's election time again, we can vote them out if we don't like their job performance. Well, the problem with that, folks, is that in the meantime, if you wait around four years for the next election, you may not have the liberty that you have today. It'll be gone. Some of the things you have today, some of the privileges, the policies that they're working on, it'll be too late if you wait until the next election. So I don't agree at all with um, her philosophy. I don't uh, appreciate it. I don't believe that it is honoring of the people who sent her to that position. And, um, you know, that's a personal interaction. It wasn't, it's not hearsay. It's something that I experienced myself. It was a few months ago. And I probably wouldn't have spoken out publicly about it had these other things not transpired. But I know her heart because she shared it with me. And um, now we're seeing these behaviors and these actions. And I have lost all confidence that Cindy O'Loughlin could be a leader, a true leader in the Missouri Senate. And the senators who stand behind her, I promise you, they know her. They know her better than I do. So the senators who stand behind um, Senator Rowden and Senator O'Loughlin at that press conference last week, um, they need to be confronted as well. 
about their decision to stand behind uh, such a thing that leadership would do, strip everybody of their committees, remove their parking spaces, um, talk of taking their furniture. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that we have a body of elected officials who are behaving this way because they don't like a particular strategy that a group of senators employed, um, broke no rules. They were just um, being creative and uh, trying to get some goals accomplished. So I I believe uh, that it's time for Senator O'Laughlin and Senator Rowden to, um, to step aside. And I don't know that that will happen. I don't know that that's... Um, very uh, realistic given the makeup of the Senate and what would need to happen there. But I can tell you, uh, Senator Rowden is running for Secretary of State, and he would be the last person I would ever vote for for anything ever again. I would wish for him not to serve Missouri in any capacity from this point forward. Um, Senator O'Laughlin has another couple of years in the Senate, and she's slated to be the next president pro tem. If things keep going along the way they historically have, she will be the next um, pro tem of the Senate, which is going to be a sad day for the state of Missouri. And it's going to go on for a couple of years. So uh, my hope is that from now forward until they actually elect the next pro tem that uh, we would confront um, the rest of the Republican caucus with the truth of what we believe should happen. And that they would know what their constituents desire in regard to that leadership vote. And um, that we would start taking care of some business here in Jefferson City. I'm going to put a lot of those links. Uh, I have the link to the video, the press um, meeting that she did on the blog. I have a couple of audio clips on the blog. Um, you know, you'll hear her actually... You know, one of the things that I am very much in opposition to, um, you know, even if you don't like the strategy that they were using, uh, the Freedom Caucus was well within the rules of the Senate to do the things that they were doing. And, um, and ultimately, you have to say that it was successful because they did get those bills referred. They are being heard today at 2 o'clock, all of them. And I would expect something to be on the Senate floor fairly quickly. So, um, but in the process of all of this, um, she became very, very frustrated and upset. Uh, and, you know, maybe she's walked back a few of these things by now. I don't, I'm not saying I've heard every single news, newscast. But um, at one point in time, she referred to these tactics as terrorist tactics. And folks, I just have no tolerance for that. The culture that we live in today where parents are being called terrorists for showing up at board meetings, where Christians are being called terrorists for speaking up and speaking out about what they believe, where pastors are being, you know, um, just across the border, border in Canada, pastors were um, arrested, called terrorists and arrested um, for trying to keep churches open uh, during the pandemic. Um, it's just... The culture that we live in today has no room whatsoever for any government official to be calling any citizen a terrorist unless they actually really are. But when you're just using your First Amendment rights to speak up, speak out, say what you believe, do what you think um, in a peaceful way, that's not a terrorist. 
but they're abusing the definitions of words. They're changing things. Um, literally, even in policy, that's why we have to pay attention. They're changing definitions of words, even in policy. And um, to refer to the Freedom Caucus like they're using some sort of terrorist tactics is completely and utterly despicable, in my opinion. Um, from a rep one Republican to another Republican group to be referring to them as though they're, and she said out loud on the Senate floor that they were using terrorist tactics. Um, it's not acceptable and it's not okay. Uh, you know, there was a committee hearing this week um, over on the House side, actually, there was a group of some moms from St. Charles that came over to testify on a bill that had to do with parents' rights. And um, it was a, it's a horrific bill. I'll, I'll link up some of that information too for you, but um, it was filed by Representative Gregg. And, um, you know, I think, I don't know, the intent of the bill supposedly was to protect children. And I believe that's probably his heart, but the language was horrible. And it actually provided that doctors could remove children from homes and um, that after three strikes, the child would be put up for adoption. That is, that I, I just can't even, even with the right in heart and intent, I can't believe that anybody would actually even write that in the bill and even file it. But he did. And then Representative Hannah Kelly uh, was chair of the committee. She actually brought it up to committee. So there was a public hearing and we had these moms come in from St. Louis, St. Charles. One of them, her name is Jen Olson. And uh, Representative Kelly took great um, offense at Jen's testimony and um, kind of slapped her on the wrist a little bit, um, spoke pretty pointedly to her that she was to be there with a certain attitude and that her words would be respectful and this, that, or the other. And Jen is so brilliant, she uh, brought up Supreme Court case law. And she cited the case law that said that the citizens... Um, have First Amendment of speech. We have First Amendment rights to our rights of free speech and that our speech in regard to um, addressing government, government officials may be vehement and caustic so as to communicate um, the urgency of the matter. And um, so she, Jen did a great job understanding what her rights were, standing up for her rights, not only hers, but then the people who would speak in that committee after her. Um, Representative Kelly, you know, ended up apologizing, but it was really a little too late. Um, you know, from your heart, the mouth speaks. And attitudes of our elected officials are toward the people are really, really important. Um, you know, we need to have the right, we need to understand our rights and be able to stand up for them. Um, so, you know, back to the Senate, um, we've got Supreme Court case law that says, you know, communication can be vehement and caustic. We have a first amendment right to, to that. Uh, but then in response, we've got senators who are stripping committees, uh, stripping chair positions, stripping really the voice of the people in the process. And, um, you know, earlier in the week, Senator Rowden, who's the president pro tem said that he had never been punitive. He had never, he would never do anything like that. Well, that's exactly what he did. 
And again, in doing so, he's actually removing the voice of the people from the process. So now we have committees with no conservative represent, basically no conservative representation. Um, you know, the way he stripped Senator Hoskins of his committee is not only just punitive toward Senator Hoskins, it's irresponsible for the people of Missouri. Senator Hoskins um, was involved with appropriations and then... Um, another finance-related committee, Senator Hoskins is a CPA. He was the most senior member on that committee. He's the only CPA on that committee that has any um, experience with, uh, you know, uh, doing taxes to um, with and audits and things like that. Um, he was stripped of his committee chair position, and that chair position was given to a junior senator, Senator Ben Brown, who has no experience whatsoever either in that field or chairing any committees. Senator Brown is a, is a nice guy. I like Senator Brown, but he doesn't have any experience either with the content, the, the, the topic of the committee, or in actually being a chair or leading the committee. So, you know, Senator Rowden's um, actions were not only punitive to these senators, it's destructive to the people of Missouri. The choices that he made, the people he put in those places, um, it's ridiculous. It's just beyond ridiculous. And it's my opinion that um, these two people need to be removed. They need to step down from leadership. Senator Rowden and Senator O'Loughlin really are not fit to hold leadership positions in the state Senate. Um, tomorrow, uh, Tuesday, the 30th of January, there are a group of grassroots uh, meeting at the Capitol. We're going to gather up around 11 o'clock in support of the Freedom Caucus, in support of getting the ratification changes that we need made to our Constitution. And uh, we're calling for... Uh, those two leadership positions for Senator Rowden and Senator O'Loughlin to uh, step aside. And um, so if you are in a place where you could come and join us, I would love to have you here um, at the Capitol tomorrow morning. And um, if not, I encourage you to send an email to your senator and express your feelings to your senator as well as other senators, and especially Senator Rowden and Senator O'Loughlin. Um, it might be, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. We'll see. And, and the truth is, it's probably not realistic that they will step down. I think they will probably just deal, dig their heels in further. But uh, please make no mistake that you remember these names at election time. Uh, these two individuals deserve no, no further positions in the state of Missouri. Um, so I'll be voting for Senator Denny Hoskins for Secretary of State. And I'm going to be diligently praying that God moves among the Senate in Missouri and we have uh, some sort of healthier leadership combination moving forward, and especially as we move into um, the next two years. Whoever is elected pro tem will be pro tem for two years. So uh, 
we just need to be praying. We need to be praying and, of course, remembering that ultimately God is in control and um, we are taken care of. We win in the end. But in the meantime, uh, before the ultimate victory, let's stand strong. Let's be true. Let's speak truth. Let our yes be yes, our no be no. And um, do the things that God's called us to do to bring light into this darkness. So I hope you guys have a great day. Thank you so much for being here. And I will talk to you soon. Hey, thanks for spending some time with me today. I really appreciate it. I hope you found it beneficial and valuable. I'd really encourage you in the next few days to pick up your Bible and grab the practical tools you need to arise and build. Don't forget to subscribe and check out the blog at jodygrace.com. I'll see you soon.